So I think maybe uh, useful for me to acknowledge the presence of visitors and friends and also give them some introductory words before we begin the, the, the sharing of the word. Uh, I want to welcome our friends from all the way from Sarawak, Kuching, uh, Tabuan Trinity Methodist Church, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, big few rows here. And uh, some old friends from uh, Sremban, uh, Wesley Methodist Church, Ramban, and also Taman Ujong Methodist Church, Brother David and uh, Brother Tony, just wave there in the back. It's lovely and wonderful when we have friends coming. Uh, the bulletin, if you look in the middle, in the bulletin has a sermon outline, and uh, next to that sermon outline is our New Testament reading plan. And so what I'm preaching on today is not something I'm uh, preaching as a result of uh, the events that have been happening around, but I'm preaching it because it is in our text. Uh, in, in, in our reading plan, we were supposed to cover 1 Peter chapter 1 to chapter 5 this last week, and it so happens that this is the theme. As a Christian, how do you stand firm in the faith in the midst of all that's going on in the world? In Peter's time, he had to deal with the Roman Empire and also persecution uh, by the Jewish people, as well as suspicion and animosity from the surrounding neighbours who thought that these Christians were a weird bunch of people. In our current context, we also have similar challenges. So that, with that in mind, let's bow our heads in prayer. We ask the Holy Spirit to inspire us. Lord, you are the one who orders all things and you provide words of scripture that comfort us even when words from our own hearts fail us. So inspire your words, Lord, through the power of your Holy Spirit that it bring comfort to us who are fearful and anxious of this period of time and the future. And remind us again, Lord, of the great hope that so inspired Paul and Peter and the disciples, Lord, and may your Holy Spirit light a flame in our hearts, Lord, a spirit of fortitude and faithfulness that will stand firm against the enemy until the end. So may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts, O Lord, be acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. This is a picture that was posted on USA Today three days ago when pretty much most of Sri Lanka as well as the Christian world were mourning uh, the death of their loved ones. I don't know how many of you are, are not in the news. It surprised me when I spoke to some children uh, that they had no idea what had happened in Sri Lanka even a few days ago. Uh, maybe they are watching too much stuff uh, and they are not keeping track of world news. So I had to explain to a group of uh, youths and teenagers what had happened. Uh, a group of terrorists who had come into the churches had basically wore suicide vests and walked into Easter Sunday services in about seven churches and uh, three or four hotels in Sri Lanka, the popular hotels. And in the midst of very packed services, uh, blew themselves up and taking with them many people along the way. Some churches uh, suffered huge casualties 
and particular, particularly bitter for them were the Sunday school children who were putting on their plays. Now, it affects us because we are no different in the sense that we as uh, brothers and sisters of uh, one faith brought together by Christ would have encountered the same thing. You know, we had our little children starting their program and we had our youths and children also doing their dramas. So can you imagine in a situation like this with our churches packed with four or five hundred people, somebody just coming in and blowing themselves up? It is not too far from the imagination to think that is possible. And so the nation mourned and we were assailed by media with all these uh, pictures of small little coffins, big little coffins and people crying their eyes out. And some people just can't deal with it, don't really want to be involved with this and we hide our heads like ostriches in the ground. What does Peter, the first uh, foremost leader of the disciples have to say about Christian suffering. Uh, for most of you who have heard me preaching to the text all this while when we talked in Revelation and then we went into uh, John, the books, uh, the letters of John and now even into Peter, it might seem depressing because everywhere we talk about persecution, suffering and death. It's something which the world refuses to acknowledge even at this point in time, even though Christians form the largest majority of organized religion in the world. We are first in terms of size, uh, followed very closely by the Muslim faith. But somehow or other, if you've been reading the news, you will find that people don't like to say Christian persecution. In fact, uh, what was publicized recently is the fact that instead of calling us Christians, they call us Easter worshippers. We don't worship Easter. <laughs> we worship the God who was raised from the dead during Easter. It's a very careful public avoidance of all these terminologies. So what does Peter have to say about suffering in that particular period. Let me read the first verse that was part of our text this morning. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. Don't be surprised. Do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that tests you. I mean, anyone of us who knows when you hold on to a piece of uh, fire or brand, it burns, it hurts. It gets to the point when you keep on holding it, it gets totally disfigured or worse still, you lose any sense of feeling or touch any further. And many of us are unable to comprehend how far or near this is. And this is why sometimes I need to speak of this message when we are not burning. It's harder to tell you this when you are in the midst of a fire to say, don't be surprised. <laughs> it's best to tell you beforehand. In fact, for a period of time when we're going through all the crises that we had in the last 20 years in Malaysia, many people came up to see me and said, Pastor, you need to preach about persecution and suffering. This was five years ago. And so this is still very relevant to us. We are not called to be strangers 
to the fact that persecution happens. We are not called to be people who expect that Christianity is a faith where suffering is very alien to this. And I admit that if I were to preach this in some of our very large prosperity-oriented churches, I would be booed out and kicked out very quickly. But that is not the testimony of what Scripture tells us. Just don't be surprised. <clears throat> in fact, you should be more surprised when good things happen to Christians. Dallas Willett writes, we should be more surprised given the brokenness of our nature and the sinfulness that is in the heart of every man, woman and child in this world that good things still nonetheless happen by the grace of God. We should be more surprised by good than we are by evil. So Peter speaks one thing that is common in the Christian life and expectation of life, that these trials come, that these trials are a testing. Now the word that he uses here in the Greek for, uh, for trial by fire, testing, is the same word that he used in terms of a fire that is used to refine metals, in particular gold precious metals. So he says, as Christians, don't be surprised when you are being refined in the fire through this fiery ordeal. It is used in order to burn up that which is impure and uh, dross. You know, it's an old English word for uh, impurity or, or corruption in you. That suffering is meant to take that out of you. <clears throat> now, you want to ask yourself maybe what is this uh, what is this impurity or suffering that need <clears throat> what is this impurity or corruption that needs to be taken out of me that needs to be taken out so painfully one way to answer this is to ask yourself when you are afflicted when you are frustrated when you do not get what you want or when something that is most precious is taken away from you what is the first thing that you feel You're blinking at me and wondering whether your brain is... Uh, have you had, you've had your coffee at home. <laughs> Anger, bitterness, frustration, this bubbling up that feels as if your heart is about to just explode or your gastric juices are going and this general sense of ill-feeling. I see it often in people who are suddenly woke up and they're grumpy. They're a bit like bears. Or people who haven't eaten yet. <laughs> you don't get in front of a person who hasn't had his dinner yet. <laughs> you might be mowed down. So there, there are these feelings that come out that are, in a way, animosity, bitterness, anger. And it might be rightful anger. But the anger of man does not work God's righteousness. That's what Scripture reminds us. The anger, the wrath of man does not work the righteousness of God. So don't be surprised at the fiery ordeal. And then he tells us something which is totally, uh, how do you brain this? How do you understand this? Not to merely endure, but rejoice in participative, you know, to, uh, uh, together with Christ, suffering with Christ Jesus. You don't believe me? Verse 13 says, but rejoice inasmuch as you participate 
in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his, uh, when his glory is revealed. Now, I may continue reading that, verse 14. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Right? So, uh, what is the outcome that uh, Peter says you should rejoice? I mean, I'm going to rejoice because there is a good outcome. Which therefore means the outcome is not dependent on my feelings. The outcome is dependent more on the truth or what it develops in me. The first outcome of the suffering is righteousness through obedience. When you are tested and you are refined, your knee-jerk reaction is going to be, I'm going to use, you hit me one time, I'm going to hit you ten times. You kill one of mine, I will kill one hundred of yours. And Peter is saying, in the light of Jesus, you have to re-examine that eye for eye, tooth for tooth. Lex talionis times 100. He says, this righteousness is revealed through you through obedience. That what evil has used in order to provoke you to equal or even greater measure of evil is instead obedience to God. It's a fiery testing. Will you be able to overcome this? A righteousness through obedience. It is also a reflection of His glory. His glory meaning the glory of Christ Jesus. You know, John Stott in his book, uh, The Cross of Christ, he said, every time he referred to the glory of Christ in the New Testament, it was a referral to His crucifixion on the cross. Father, reveal your glory I have come to reveal your glory. What? Cross. That any man, when, 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 when Christ is lifted up, he would draw all men unto him. That would be his glory. His glory is in the suffering that is heaped on him and the salvation that he brings. Again, I remind you, it is a reflection of his glory, not a reflection of our pain. We don't deny that this suffering is painful, is very difficult. But it is one that is inflicted on us by evil men and allowed by God for the sake of righteousness, for the sake of His glory being revealed to us and rejoicing at His reward. Why? You see, we said, and, and for those of you who were here last Easter Sunday, if Christ died but did not resurrect, if Christ had died but not resurrected, your faith would have been futile. It would have been an absolute waste. But because He has risen, in the same way that Christ is risen, we too are given this promise that all your suffering, all your pain, and eventually your death has been overcome and Christ is the first example of what we will be like. And therefore, if we suffer like Christ, we too will rise like Christ, having suffered through this world. That is a rejoicing at His reward. Now, we who believe in this are promised this, but how much more those who do not? Then their life is utterly futile because you suffer 
you eventually die, but there is no resurrection left for you. There is no reward or no glory that comes thereafter. So this is the outcome of the suffering, that as we suffer, we are using that as a moment in order to respond with righteousness, doing the right thing. Let me ask you to take a moment to pause in reflection. What are you suffering right now, at this moment, that is bringing forth a righteousness unto God? For some people whom I had the privilege of meeting, some of this may mean suffering for the sake of taking care of elderly parents or suffering for the sake of caring for loved ones who are unable to care for themselves. Suffering in the sense that uh, your whole of life has been dictated by the wants and needs of someone who is unable to care for themselves. Some of the suffering I notice that people go through is they forego some of their meals or some of their holidays in order that they might take a holiday to go all the way into the interior of Sarawak, Sabah, Pahang, Perak to be with orang asli, orang asal people. I mean, when you think about this, they could be churning out thousands of dollars sitting in their offices or in their, in their clinics or, or, or surgeries, doing all this stuff. But instead, they say, no, uh, I will take this time away and I will go and be with the people who are marginalized. And to them, it is not suffering. It is a joy because they are working out righteousness. And everyone who sees them sees a reflection of Jesus' glory because it's it. They will say, you know, Abang, Doctor, Cikgu, kenapa kamu datang jauh sini? Let me translate that for those who don't understand BM. Doctor, brother, sister, teacher, why have you taken this time to travel all the way to be with us? We are nobody. We are no one. And the common answer is, because you are my brother, my sister in Christ. Though we are different colour, though we speak different languages, we are one body, the Church of Christ. And I have seen many times our orang asli people break down and cry because they see a reflection of God's love through them. That is, in a way, what it means to be this reflection, that through our suffering we give others see God in them. And we rejoice, knowing that our labour is not in vain. I don't know whether that gives you any measure of comfort. My hope, my labour is not in vain it bears fruit even though I do not see it. Some of you may have seen this particular picture. It's been going around on the internet. Uh, the gentleman on the right, your right, uh, he's a leader. Uh, he's the pastor, the senior pastor in charge of the Evangelical Church uh, of uh, Zion Bati Kaloa, Sri Lanka. Uh, he somehow escaped uh, this particular catastrophe in Sri Lanka. I suspect he was travelling and he was interviewed and he was asked, you know, how does the Sri Lankan church intend to respond? This is Pastor uh, Roshan Mahesan. And he, he, he said this, and I, I quote this, 
his commitment to continue the church's mission. Uh, this is what he said. We are hurt, we are angry also, but still, as the senior pastor of Zion Church, Batikaloa, the whole congregation and every family affected, we say to the suicide bomber and also to the group that sent the suicide bomber that we love you, we forgive you, no matter what you have done to us, we love you because we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. We also who follow the footsteps of Jesus Christ, we say for the Lord, forgive these people. You reflect the nature of God. And, and uh, brothers and sisters, I say this is not the only time I've seen it again and again and again where people who are leaders in the church, in spite of all their grief and suffering and, and the emotional upheaval they've gone through, with choking words, with words which are, they are very hard to come out, they say, we forgive them in the name of Jesus Christ. Because Christ calls us to, we do. Humble obedience in spite of what they're feeling. So we, we should get through our head, huh? that our suffering and pain doesn't determine our actions. Our suffering and pain deepen our commitment and our righteousness and purifies us to do what is righteous unto God, a faithfulness unto God. I do believe that many of them in their hearts don't want to. We encounter many people who say, I don't want to. But that's the point. It's not because we want to, but because Christ calls us to, and in obedience, we follow. And we trust that through the power and grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, He will then change us. That's what Wesley called the sanctification, the purification, that process of transforming us into the likeness of Christ. So don't go about and saying, I cannot forgive because I don't feel like it. I don't want to. My, I'm still angry and I will only forgive when I'm not angry. No, that is not the response. Jesus was in pain. It was not a situation, let me get out of my pain, then only I forgive you. No, in our pain, in our suffering, we do what is righteous unto God. And again and again, I've seen faithful men and women representing the church, saying, we forgive. They don't deny the pain that they're going through. They don't deny the anger, bitterness, and anguish that they go through. But they acknowledge that God is still king in spite of their pain. That is the theology of suffering we need to learn, brothers and sisters. And we need to learn this when we're not going through the fire so that it is embedded in our heart and we decide now what we're going to do, not wait until we kena, then only, okay, I'll decide then. Decide now how you will respond so that when it happens, you will respond accordingly. I want to bring emphasis to this word. Now, um, Peter continues, verse 15, if you suffer it should not be as a murderer or thief or any other kind of criminal. Okay? It should not be as a murderer criminal. In other words, uh, if you suffer because you are doing evil, yeah, you deserve it. Lah. That is rightfully due. 
Neither is he saying, go therefore and suffer. I want to make that clear. The suffering that we undergo, especially in what Peter is saying, especially in what's happening in Sri Lanka, is not something where the Sri Lanka say, come la, bomb us. It's not something where we throw ourselves into harm's way for the sake of suffering, for the sake of Christ. No, it's not that. Be very clear, and the text is saying, don't be a stranger when it happens to you. When it happens to you. It's not an if, it's a when. Nowhere does it say, go and cari pasal. <laughs> go and find this suffering and go and dive into it. So when it comes, and we always say be prepared for if in case of when, right? When it comes, don't be surprised. But neither are we called to basically go and look for it and dive in into it just because we think that that's what God wants us to do. If God wants us to do it, He will, in a way, direct you into it or cause it to happen to you. So these things that have occurred have been inflicted on them in Sri Lanka. They do this. Now, of course, some people will say, you Christians are asking for it. Lah. You keep saying these kind of things that incite us and get us angry, so you're asking for it. But no, we speak the truth and we hold to the truth and we are standing firm. Standing firm, telling the truth. Huh? It's not aggressively provoking you, killing you. We are not the ones who initiate aggression. But to some people, they say words can kill. That's what they say. And they take that as an excuse, therefore, to kill. Well, maybe truth kills, but for us, truth saves. And that truth is the truth of Jesus who says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. If telling you this truth that gives you life is killing you, maybe you should die to that life and come to this fullness of life. But let me continue in this point. Verse 16, Peter says, However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. Now, if you have your electronic Bibles or your you know, search tools and you find the word Christian, how many times do you think you come across this word in the Bible? My guess three times. <laughs> Only three times. So this word, Christian, is not common use at that time. You were known as a disciple, a follower of Jesus Christ, but only one, uh, only about three times. One of them, Jesus uses. Okay? Uh, you, uh, no, sorry. Only one of them, Jesus uses the words church. Okay? But the word Christian, very few times. Where does this word come from? Is this word Christianos? What does Christianos mean? Um, in the Greek culture, in the way of saying things, if you are of the family of Claudius, okay, uh, you'll be called Claudianos. If you are in the, uh, what do you call it, in the family of uh, uh, Pelagius, Pelagianos. 
Okay, so, so to be called Christianos is to be, say, of the family or of the following of Christ. They understood it as these are Christ family people, children of Christ, followers of Christ, people of Christ. Now, this is a particularly ringing issue for us now. You just read the news, the news in the media and, and you'll find that the world is refusing to call us and acknowledge us as Christians, Easter worshippers. You know, people who are hanging out on Easter celebrations, not necessarily Christians. Why is that such a terrible, bad word? I don't know. The Jews find us offensive. The Muslims also find us offensive. Uh, maybe it's because we do what Christ calls us to do. And so what in the Bible has been stated all the way 2,000 years ago still rings true. Jesus said in his last discourses, there will come a time when people think that they are doing God a favor by killing you. And certain parts of the world, that's what they do. They kill you, and what do they say? I don't need to say, you know. They think that they're doing God a service by killing Christians. We don't need to go so far. Think about Pastor Raymond Ko, Ruth, Helmi, Operation Lalang and many of our brothers and sisters in the interiors in Sabah, Sarawak and all that, where no one sees. My orang asli brothers tell me what happens. Orang asal also, same thing. Persecution, marginalization, why? You, kamu ni Christian, huh? uh, Christian tak ada. You want access to school, you want access to uh, boarding, you want access to education, Christian, don't come. They give preferential treatment to majority race and those of no religion. But if you're a Christian, too bad for you. And that is why our church needs to help. <laughs> because if everybody else is saying we're not going to help you, then who else is going to help them? Do you praise God that you bear His name? Will you praise God when you bear His name when people are putting a knife to your throat? Or when people threaten you and say, I'm going to come and blow you up. Do you know, we have come to a period of time where fear has come into the church. Fear has come into our nation and all throughout the world, people are 